Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is The Rich Eisen Show. Drop drop, drop a beat. A beat. There's a new phrase for one team that's left in the uh, NFL. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. There's one team in these playoffs that's never won a Super Bowl, never been to a Super Bowl. And the phrase for them, two words, why not? Just because they're the Detroit Lions? Today's guests. ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky, senior writer for the MMQB, Albert Breer, prime video TNF analyst Andrew Whitworth, and now, it's Rich Eisen. Yes, indeed, it is time for the Rich Eisen Show, live on the Roku channel and this Rich Eisen Show terrestrial radio affiliate, Sirius XM, Odyssey, and more. It is a fun day in our neighborhood. Dan Orlovsky is going to be first up 20 minutes from now. Can't wait to chat with him about everything going on in the divisional round and then previewing a little bit about what's going down for all of us to watch on Championship Sunday. Bria, we're going to call Albert Breer to the Zoom machine on Sports Illustrated and ask him uh, why did the Tennessee Titans land on Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator uh, for Zach Taylor in his nice run as coach so far with Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Mike Vrabel out, Brian Callahan in, and the Titans now join the Patriots in the coaching hiring column. While we're all waiting for second interviews to be done and to find out what Atlanta's going to do, what the Los Angeles Chargers are going to do, particularly all of us in uh, Michigan Wolverine land on those two spots, because those are the spots that have interviewed to Jim Harbaugh, uh, not just once, but uh, soon to be twice, as uh, Harbaugh's making his way out to Los Angeles and already here for a second interview with the Chargers. Mm. So, Breer, we will call Albert to the Zoom machine, and then in studio, uh, first ever car wash in the history of the Rich Eisen Show and Rich Eisen Productions. Uh, Andrew Whitworth is going to be joining us here in studio. Uh, hour number three, Amazon Prime's Andrew Whitworth, Walter Payton Man of the Year, Super Bowl champion Andrew Whitworth. And then he's going to stay after class and um, record What the Football in studio with Susie Schuster and Amy Trask. And Amy will be uh, talking about what she said on last week's show and uh, and uh, how it was received by Niner fans. And then Brock Purdy went out and played a choppy football game, but did advance. So that'll be on Tuesday's What the Football. Keep an ear out and an eye out for that wherever you get your podcasts or on our YouTube page. Uh, this show also includes Overreaction Monday on a Tuesday. And also, I don't know how you guys 
think I look today, but I think I look pretty fresh after having scored 40 points in the NBA last night. (laughs) Wow. Um, You did too. Nice. I mean, that's the way it all went. Something in the water yesterday. The NBA (laughs) best decided to celebrate the anniversary of Kobe's 81-point game with damn near uh, taking it out. That was awesome. So that was quite a night in the association, which we will discuss on this program. And then with you, 844-204-RICH being the number to dial. How you doing over there, Chris Brockman? What's going on, I'm sir? I'm great. I'm great. Celtics uh, 30 and 10. Love it. Uh, DJ Mikey D is in D's nuts. Good How morning, are you? Rich. How you doing? What's going on? <laughs> okay, very good. Um, and uh, hey, uh, TJ Jefferson, good to see you, sir. Joel Embiid had 70 in last night. That's and right. It's his world, and we're just living. Excellent. There. And uh, in honor of that, we're going to take the rest of the show off. Oh, really? <laughs> no, we're not. Right. See ya. Because I had some stuff to no, do. No, we're going to load manage. We're going to oh. load manage. Do you oh. need your Do you need your management? Do we need to manage your uh, <laughs> Please don't your, say your it. time? Okay, thank you. you. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm not going there, TJ. Uh, no, my time is... Okay. I, I like this time. Okay, very good. But congrats. Embiid looks great, man. And so do your Sixers. And uh, it was a great night in, uh, in hoops. Um, so you know what we're going to do here to start this program? We're going to take one last look back at Divisional Playoff Weekend. In which, by the way, we saw NBC have a record number of people watch a divisional playoff game for uh, the Peacock Network and Peacock. Over 40 million people watched the Lions and the Bucks have at it. It peaked at 40 million. Wow. And the number that I was saying on this program that would watch the Chiefs and the Bills, 50 million confirmed today. CBS coverage of Bills Chiefs peaked at over 50 million people watching. Many of them to go out and see is Taylor Swift there. Mm-hmm. And in turn, instead, we saw Jason Kelsey being shirtless. Just part and parcel of the circus that played out in Western New York for 50 some odd million people to watch on the network that's going to be watching, uh, showing us uh, Super Bowl 58. Oof. In between uh, all of that, there's so much to discuss as you've got legacy franchises going at it. The Niners hosting the Lions. It's the 17th conference championship game appearance for the 49ers, and the Lions have not appeared in the conference championship since Mark Rippon and Washington boat raced them in the old RFK Stadium back in the old day. And then you've got the Chiefs, the defending Super Bowl champions, after bouncing the Buffalo Bills, trying to make sure the Ravens don't make the Super Bowl, while the Ravens would love to take the crown off of Kansas City's head and bring it to Las Vegas, flash it in front of whoever wins the NFC Championship game and put it on their heads. It's going to be pretty sweet this weekend's action. But... Before we start looking at all that, I've got a top five. Top five mind-blowing moments from Divisional Playoff Weekend. Hit it. Hit it. High five. One, two, three, four, five. Rich's top five. That is correct. I need my music and I need it all to start with the way it started on Divisional Playoff Weekend. We start in Baltimore where the Ravens were up 10-3. to Four minutes and 17 seconds left in the half. 
The Houston Texans couldn't move it a lick on offense, so Steven Sims had to move it on special teams. A 67-yard dash from Steven Sims of the Houston Texans. That was mind-blowing because the Texans had tied the Ravens in Baltimore in a game that the Ravens appeared to be dominating. Up 10-3, right before halftime, they tied it at 10 apiece, and it was a sight that we had not seen in quite some time. It was the first playoff punt return for a touchdown since Trendon Holiday. Remember him? Of the Denver Broncos returned one 90 yards in the 2012 divisional round contest. We had not seen a punt return for a touchdown in any playoff game since he did it for the Broncos. A record 90-yard punt return that still remains to this day not broken in the playoffs. That's how rare it was. Steven Sims is number five. Number four on this list is the first four snaps in Buffalo. This was a mind-blowing sequence. First snap of the game is a pass out to Stephon Diggs, and the ball is loose, ripped loose, and it's free, and Dalton Kincaid bats it out of bounds. If you had, I know in the Super Bowl, you can apparently wager on what the first play is or what the first score is. That's or what I've heard. You know what I mean? Like, heard. I, I don't know. Can you wager on a, a forced fumble and illegal batting penalty to start a divisional playoff that game? That was the first <laughs> yeah. snap of the game. And then the second snap of the game was when Mike Edwards collided over the middle on Stephon Diggs. And Edwards, one of the most important players in the back end of the defense for Kansas City, got knocked out of the game with a concussion. So stop play, and then the Bills have to call a timeout because the clock is winding down even after that stoppage of play. And then on third and 17, Josh Allen scrambles up the middle. And I don't know, do you have on your bingo card a lateral past the line (laughs) of scrimmage like Kelsey did in a way to... Kadarius Tony, the last time these two teams met, Ty Johnson grabs it and damn near gets a first down, and it was a, apparent to me a forward lateral, and Andy Reid didn't even challenge it. So you've got even controversy about whether this was the right call and whether a coach should challenge. And Andy Reid has to be like three snaps in the game. You were telling me from upstairs I should throw a red challenge flag. Because, yeah, the Bills on the fourth snap of the game went for it on fourth down from their own 40. (laughs) And I'm sitting there going, what the hell's going on? That's the way this game started. It's it's like what Stephon Diggs said. The hell going on back in the day? Number three on the mind-blowing moments. That's it. I was wondering the same thing. (laughs) Top five mind-blowing moments from the divisional round. Number three, his season was unbelievable. Everyone wondering, can he do it? Is he the real deal? You actually, in in a way, alienated your Hall of Fame quarterback by trading up to draft him and then sat him for a couple of years and then finally started him when you're wondering, is this Jordan Love's season? Is this his job? Can he do it? And then he not only proves that he can do it, he wins a playoff. He makes the playoffs, wins a playoff game in Dallas, and then puts puts the scare. I mean, downright frightening moments for the San Francisco 49ers faithful. Watching him go up 21-14, but now he's down by three. And this is mind-blowing. 
that the last throw, the final throw of Jordan Love's breakout season may have been his worst. What was he doing throwing it across the middle late into triple coverage when all he needed was a field goal to force overtime? And this kid, all he did was the right moves, was playing with his neck up with his remarkable neck down ability and also the heart that beats in his chest and the fortitude in his gut that he would just turn into some green quarterback and flip it over the middle. He even referred to it as a mortal sin. That's mind-blowing to me that Jordan Love's final throw of his season was quite possibly his worst. Number two on my mind-blowing moments from divisional playoff weekend was the Buffalo Bills fake punting it in the second half of a game because the Chiefs not only had 10 men on the field, but Sean McDermott said afterwards he thought that maybe, just maybe, they were having trouble stopping an offense that everyone was wondering if it could ever flip a switch, and sure enough, they did. And it was DeMar Hamlin, of all people, with the ball in his hands, and he stopped short, and they turn it over on downs only to have two snaps later getting it back because the Chiefs turn it over by handing it to Miko Hardman of all people to hand it on the goal line and put it in his hands after he had fumbled earlier in the game and he fumbles it through the end zone and no blood. That was unbelievable. I mean, talk about mind-blowing. So the Bills are going to do this? Really? And then they don't get it. And then they get it back because of the fumble through the end zone rule. Because the Chiefs give it to Miko Hardman. And you know I hate this rule so much. And I actually came as close as I possibly have ever come to agreeing with you, Brockman, that it's it's just right in terms of being punitive only because they gave it to Miko Hardman of all people. What are they doing? Nah, I, I mean, yeah. too cute. You, you can't even <laughs> call it too cute. But Andy Reid and Mahomes survived. Number one is just three three words. Three words. It, it's simple. Another wide right. You got to be kidding me. I mean, for Buffalo to lose in the manner in which they lost. I mean, Tyler Bass's field goal couldn't be just short, tipped and short. It couldn't go wide left. It couldn't even just go over an upright so damn high that we're having some sort of an argument over it. Was it good? Was it not? No, it's got to go wide right of all places for the Buffalo Bills and for them to lose that way. That is unbelievable and easily the most mind-blowing moment from divisional playoff weekend for sure. You think we need one more? All right, George. All right, we'll get one more. I'll do this because we haven't talked about the Lions or the Bucks game in any of my top five. So my one more is every Jameer Gibbs touch of the football. <laughs> every single time he touched the football. This kid had a 31-yard rushing touchdown in the fourth quarter to give Detroit the game eventual winning touchdown, 24-17 to go up and lead the game. Gibbs is the youngest player in NFL history with a go-ahead touchdown in the fourth quarter or overtime of a playoff game ever. At 21 years, 307 days old when he did it. And you want to talk about what a remarkable season he's had. 13 scrimmage touchdowns now in 2023, including playoffs. He has put himself in the mix. Third all-time, most by a rookie in Detroit history, only behind Barry Sanders in 89 with 14 and the great Billy Sims in 1980 with 16. And when, when he was drafted, by the way, and everyone, you know, and he's going to be, we'll be he'll, we'll, he'll be in the same breath as Barry Sanders and Billy Sims 
get out of here. And 100% is one of the guys on the Lions offense that this weekend, if he touches the football as much as he should and has the ability to flip a field like he can or go the distance and hit home runs like he's what, uh, Miggy Cabrera and uh, Cecil Fielder combined. I'm just trying to nice. get you know some big good, heavy good, hitters good. for Detroit uh, Tigers baseball. If he can hit home runs like that, he can absolutely be a main reason why the Lions are going to upset the 49ers and go to the Super Bowl. So every Jameer Gibbs touch is my final one more moment of top five divisional playoff yeah, mind-blowing so moments. Don't you think? <laughs> I, you so know good. what I mean? Like, it's entirely possible. Why not? And everyone's like, whoa, you drafted him at 12, right? But they said they would have taken him earlier. I heard. They had him ahead of Bijan. I heard that the Lions, when they drafted Gibbs 12, beat several teams that have dynamic running backs already to the punch. Mm. And is exactly the type of play I thought Tony Pollard would give you Cowboys. And I'm not doing this to, to troll. I'm not doing it to troll. But that's exactly the sort of home run ability that we saw from Pollard the last couple of years that we didn't see. And I'm wondering if it was a knee injury and he's coming back or, well, it was, or whatever. Pollard was the third down back coming in and, and then he had to be the workhorse. Jameer Gibbs, who I drafted on my fantasy team. Isn't the workhorse. Montgomery is the workhorse. Jameer Gibbs is that change of pace and he comes in and he puts you to sleep. Like, so I think that may have been the difference. That's true, too. And that's also, true too. If, you, if you ever questioned it, just watch Detroit's – Draft coverage. Do you see how happy they were when they knew that they were going to draft this kid? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, that should tell you something right there. Yeah, they, they were all on, they on him. They knew. They knew. They they knew they were going to go get him. And um, and it was a head scratcher. It's just like, oh, okay, so we're going to choose this kid, 12th overall, with all the help you need? Mm -hmm. Well, he helped wrap it up or take the lead in a divisional playoff game. And I'm telling you, you know, Let's just see what he can do against San Francisco, because he's tough to he is tough to put put he's on the ground. Man. All right, it's yeah, it's it's like asses and elbows. As soon as he gets through the line of scrimmage, that's all you're seeing. See ya. Rich also said the Chiefs tried to be too cute. Isn't that part of their DNA? It like is. They're always doing trick plays. It is. And when it works, around the rosy Pogfield posing. I know. And then when it works, it's just like play that's, last year. That's from the 1918 Blue Bonnet Bowl. Unbelievable how they knew that. <laughs> And they're using it back, you know, yeah. and, and I mean, then that's other what times, they do. And then other times it's just like, what are they thinking? <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know where that came from. I've given you a Trendon holiday. I love it. And a blue bonnet bowl. But isn't that, they did do that, right? They pulled a play from an old. The Rose Bowl yeah. in, in the Super Bowl against the 49ers. They, yeah, exactly. Correct. All right, let's take a, let's take a break. Dan Orlovsky will be joining us next right here on the Rich Eisen Show. You at 844-204-RICH. Albert Breer. After Dan in the shoot on this busy Tuesday. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time. 
Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Let's talk sleep number, people, because quality sleep is so essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is dissolved for your ever-evolving sleep needs. And the same thing for your partner. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Quiets your snores or your partner's? Sleep Number does that. My Sleep Number setting is 60. My wife's is 70. Ten numbers apart, but it truly is the world of difference. The Sleep Number sleep that you get is unbelievable. You will love it. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now you could save 50%. That's 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. So I uh, I not only scored 40 in the NBA last well, night, yeah. I had 20 and 10. I triple-doubled. Wow. Yeah. Nice. It was a good day. Yeah, all while watching, Co- all while watching Coco Golf win on ESPN2. Oh, uh, sorry, that's, that's what I did last night. Aussie Open, right? What's going on right now? The Australian Open. Yeah. Well, I mean that it's being repeated right now as we as we talk. But watch this match with the kids, Susan, the kids last night. Oh, nice. It's it's. I'm telling you. Who's to uh, where? What round are they in? Right uh, now? she just, Coco advanced to the semis. Oh, oh wow! So we're almost at the end. Yeah, man. Got this it. is it. Got it. Coming up this weekend. Love it. It is great. It is great. And oh, Jokovic is uh, still alive, Jokovic. huh? Oh, yeah. of course he is. <laughs> Quite. Although you could see, because uh, golf's match took three hours. Shoot. Yeah. It went three sets. It took three hours, and Jokovic was coming up next. You could, they kept on cutting away to him. He looked like a caged animal. Like, <laughs> when are we getting out here? Seriously. It's like, just like, when are we getting out? Can we get out there now? But it was, uh, it's, it's great. I just, I love, just love watching Grand Slam tennis. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, I, uh, I'm watching Alcaraz uh, play. And he looks gettable. You, yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Oh, Rich. here we go. Rich. Going back and forth again. Rich. I mean, he looks gettable. Nick Kyrgios just completely shooting that, like laughing. Oh, you mean you? You, you mean you? Yeah. Rich. You're a clown, bro. Get out of my face. I have no idea. Fletcher Cox was commentating yeah. on that. Yeah, he's got thoughts on your yeah, He does, does he? Deep yeah. thoughts. Yeah. With this Fletcher is Cox. completely BS. That, this is shame. Wow, Darko's <laughs> chiming yeah. in now. Yeah. That's, That's just how they feel. That's weird. That's Am I reading feel. this right? Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, I'm watching Alcaraz. He's got he, he's got some holes. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm looking at it. In his game? Come on. Yeah. No. Enough for me. Enough for yeah, me to get one point. One point. I can feel it. I'm. I I am. I feel like I'm in good shape. Back on the Rich wow. Eisen Show radio network, sitting at the Rich Eisen Show desk, furnished by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger has the right product for you. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. One of my highlights of the entire NFL season was to be in Germany in the booth for Dolphins Chiefs, the first of two such battles this year um, in Frankfurt, Germany. And uh, it was awesome. And part of the reason why is who I was calling the game with. It was uh, Jason McCourty, my colleague from NFL Network, and joining us from ESPN, the great Dan Orlovsky, back here on the Rich Eisen Show. Good to see you, Dan. 
How are you, bud? Good to, uh, good to connect. I, I share the same sentiments, man. That was that was fun. We got to do it again, hopefully. That, dude. that was good. And and you know, while we were there, that was deep in the narrative of the Chiefs having issues on offense. They had just lost a divisional game, which is like you know a comet flying in the sky for for Mahomes. And um and we were wondering about what is with the offense. And sure enough, they got a defensive score and and couldn't score in the second half. And so I ask you, is that's the big long-winded setup? Is is the switch flipped? Are we is have we finally found the switch, and have they flipped it on offense, Dan? As long as they play clean, I think that answer is yes. And you know, this is one of these moments when a lot of us who cover the game and talk about the game on a consistent daily basis. One part we were dead on about the Chiefs' offense in the in the way that we saw it and the way that we talked about it, and in the same aspect, there is that level of tip your hat and appreciation, acknowledgement to Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, and Matt Nagy. The reason why, Rich, is this: when we talked about the Chiefs, it was hey, you know, the drops are bad. The there there is a a lack of focus on their offense. Patrick's trying to do too much. Their tackles are not playing well. They're trying to find out who is that second reliable pass catching option. Th- those were all real things in the moment. And as this season's gone on, especially as you got into December, that started to show itself. They started to figure out how to help their tackles with some of the chips with tight ends. Patrick started to kind of settle into who he could both trust when it comes to catching the ball and seeing it the same way with some of the the nuance of pass catching stuff. Rasheed Rice absolutely emerged both in his performance and the way that they used him. And I just remember almost on a weekly basis, Patrick, Andy Reid, and Matt Nagy all saying, you know, we got to stop beating ourselves. We got to stop beating ourselves. We got to stop beating ourselves with the penalties and the drops. And it got to a point where, at least I know, I said, at some point that has to actually happen, though. It can't just be like the coach speak. They were right. I think what's happened is some of those things have gone away, at least when it's mattered the most in the last week of the season and certainly over the first two weeks of the playoffs. And they've started to figure out who they can rely on and who they can trust. And um, obviously a daunting task this week. But uh, I think it's one of those rare things in the league, uh, you know, where our view of them was accurate while you have to credit them for staying the course and not panicking and, and figuring it out through the bumps. So uh, before we turn the page to this week, then let me ask you about the bills, your two cents of advice about where do they go from here after they lost to the chiefs again, this one at home. I understand the defense though. I mean, was they, they lost one guy after another, after another, and they're playing, um, Klein and linebacker when he was going on vacation a week before, you know, so, yeah. but, but what would you say about Josh Allen and the two cents of advice about what to do there on offense? Uh, Josh Allen was absolutely fantastic in that football game. And I get sick and tired of people killing a guy that makes one decision that we sit there and say, I wish you th- would have thrown the underneath throw. Mm-hmm. Number one, they're not in the divisional playoffs if Josh played like that over the last six, seven, eight weeks. Number two, they're they're not in a situation to win that game if not for the third and 13 or third and goal from the 13th throw to Shakir that mm. Josh, Lamar, and Patrick probably are the guys that can make. So I, I'm for, for everybody that wants me to stop, you know, 
making excuses for Josh. I'm not. I'm giving reasons, and I'm not going to stop for Josh or any other quarterback because we sit here and say it gets me in – and I've been this way since I got into this business. I'm not going to stop defending quarterbacks in the end result without giving the context of the the journey of play. It's impossibly hard. And we're judging a dude because he's not perfect when he plays against the best quarterback that we've seen over the last 10 years and maybe ever. So I think that's my viewpoint on that game. And it's not going to stop. Um, in totality for a team, Rich, I think Sean McDermott was fantastic this year. Do I think that they have to reassess how they want to play defensive football? You know, because in that game, Rich, Kansas City decided to play with three tight ends on the field, and they were going to run right at Taron Johnson, who's a tremendous nickel. He's awesome, but he's outmatched. You know, I I think Sean is going to have to adjust as teams' personnel adjust in the next couple years in the NFL. And offensively, I think it's fair to say – that they have to figure out what they view as Steph Diggs as. I think they have to see if they believe he's a bona fide number one receiver still and what they're going to do with Gabe Davis. That's going to be one of their biggest question marks in this offseason. Last thing, stop asking me if the Bills window has closed. They have one of the three best players on planet Earth on their team. (laughs) Their window is open as long as that guy's playing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dan Orlovsky right here on the Rich Eisen Show. So um, how do you see the Ravens performing right now? It does look like Mark Andrews is right around the corner as well. The second half different than the first. What, what did you make of the Ravens' performance and how they match up against that Chiefs defense? Yeah, it, it's going to be a great challenge for Kansas City defensively. I think Spag, Steve Spagnuolo, the defense coordinator, will have to have uh, – one of those wow plans and executions to to stop this offense. I think what we saw in that game was the biggest difference in this Baltimore Ravens offense this year in comparison to the one that we've seen in the first five or six years in Lamar's career. This is not a shot at all to Greg Roman, who was there as their offensive coordinator previously. I think he was fantastic in many ways, got them a one seed, Lamar MVP, all that. One of the issues was in game, they would consistently struggle to adjust adjust i remember rich doing a breakdown on nfl live i think two or three years ago in a post game after they played the steelers where lamar said we had become predictable and the steelers knew our plays and they ran the first play the second half was the first play of the game and the first third down of the second half was the first third down of the game if you go watch the houston game the halftime adjustment that their new offensive coordinator todd monken made was awesome. Simply put, Houston was playing a lot of what we call match coverage, which is like zone defense until a person on the offense gets in your area and then you match them like it's man to man. And he said, okay, if you're going to keep doing that, what we're going to do is create design quarterback runs for Lamar, or we're going to create kind of rub or mesh concepts to flood an area and give you too many people to cover. That didn't happen in the past. And I think you you sit back and you sit there and go, that's exactly what was the needed change for this offense. Um, I, I love Kansas City. I think the story is awesome. I think the, the resurrection of Matt Nagy as their play caller post-Chicago has been really impactful. Andy Reid's awesome. I think their defense made some big stops. Rich, one of my jobs, as you know, this is like you got to figure out, like you got to figure out how teams are going to get beat. 
or you got to anticipate what teams are going to do. Yeah. I don't know what you do with this Baltimore defense. <laughs> I don't know. Like I, I sit here and I say, you got to get big and pound the football against them. You can't. You got to spread them out and make them tackle in space. Hamilton's unbelievable. Yes. You got to take shots down the field. Sounds good. You got to be great on third down. Their simulated blitzes are ridiculous. So I, I think that's the huge challenge in the game as well. Dan Orlovsky here on the Rich Eisen Show. Let's get to the Niners. Your assessment of Brock Purdy's performance is? He was bad for the first three quarters until he needed to be great, and he was. And I think that's going to bode them well in this game. I think that bode them, bodes them well if they can get to the Super Bowl, and it's certainly going to bode him and them well in his future. He hasn't like been in that moment. He was a little bit in the Cleveland game, you know, and he leads them to the field goal and they miss it. But this was a, Hey, if you lose this game, you go home type of feeling. This isn't, well, we'll learn from it and move on. And he was bad. Now, I don't know how much of it was the weather rich. I think that certainly plays its part, but more than like the missed throws. Cause that's not who he is. He almost throws the early on pick six to Savage. Mm-hmm. And if you watch in that game, there's moments when you go, why didn't you throw that ball? Like I, I have, I have clips, you know, me, I'm this, this weird note taker. You have clips where I, I sit there and I go, why didn't on the third quarter, nine twenty seven? you didn't, you didn't take the shot down the field when it was there. I've seen you do that third quarter, eight forty four. You didn't take the shot with the rail. I've seen you do that third quarter, 40 seconds. You don't throw it to McCaffrey when he's wide open. I've seen that fourth quarter, ten thirty eight. And so I think that is something that, they're talking about, you know, post film and, and he's giving them answers. It's like, Hey, did you hesitate a little bit and not want to make a mistake after that pick six? Again, I I have to be fair with the weather conversation and some of the misses, but when they needed him to be great on that final drive, he was, you can't take that from him. And he made some big time throws. So I do believe that bodes them well. So yeah, again, you know, I said, you know, I, I know you said, Hey, this is winter go home time. It's not like, well, we'll learn from it. Um, but maybe he did learn from it because you're right. I mean, in his the playoff game last year uh, at home against Seattle, I mean, Seattle definitely was um, in in the grill of the 49ers until they started, um, you know, slipping away, and the Niners survived in somewhat of a rocking chair towards the end of that game. And then, as we all know, the 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 uh, the game against um, Philadelphia, he he was knocked out darn near right from jump so this is kind of the first time he's going through this crucible and and you could say that he's still growing i mean the he's still a he's still a pup basically and that that's i think the the issue here is that you had the vet in jimmy g right and now you're 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 gonna go through some growing pains that he's not like Big Ben, just right out of the box, and he's going to take you to an, a championship game. Although this is his second year in a row doing that, I, he, he's kind of a a conundrum in a way. Brock Purdy, yeah, and, you know, and, and I think, you know, Rich. Again, we get to these points. Part of our jobs, certainly part of mine, and one that I take a ton of pride on. You get to this point, you're trying to nitpick both players and teams. You're trying to figure out and and educate the fan and talk about the game of not only what just happened in that game, but also like the foreshadowing aspect of it. One of my like pet peeves when I watch a game is too often we as announcers, we go backwards and just explain to everybody what just happened. Mm -hmm. They have eyeballs. 
So part of the things that I take pride in is trying to foreshadow what might happen or why it might happen. And so, yes, for the 49ers fans, like we're nitpicking Brock Purdy here. Of course we are just like we do with Josh and just like we're going to do with Lamar and just like we're going to do with Jared. That's part of the gig. And, um, you know, I think Brock has proven over the course of two years, he's a really good quarterback. I very rarely, if ever, try to hold who he's playing with or what offense he's playing in against a quarterback. I know you need him. What do you do when you get him? And I think there's, I think there's two like, like groups of quarterbacks. And when we're talking about the top twelve, Rich, top fifteen. Hey, when things aren't ideal, either play caller, you lose a guy, uh, we're not completely healthy, we give up thirty. Can you carry us? Like, can, can you win for us type of thing? And then, hey, when things are really good, when it's ideal, can we go win a championship with you? I think Brock is firmly in that second grouping of, hey, when things are really good, we can go win the whole dang thing with you. And so um, this is a little bit, I you know, I, I mentioned before when I got into it, I blame Patrick in a good way. You know, <laughs> it's, I blamed Tom Brady in years past, man, you knew it, like, if you weren't Tom Brady, it's like, well, you're not good. You know, it's it's a little bit of Patrick's fault because Patrick is so ridiculous that if you're not Patrick Mahomes, you stink in many people's eyes. Well, and, and I kind of am seeing down the pike our conversation for the Super Bowl when we're, you know, bored next week when there's no games, right? And then we're ready at Super Bowl week just parsing everything out. The conversation's going to be, you know, you've got an alien at quarterback for the AFC and then yes. you've got in the NFC quarterback spot an efficiency expert and somebody that when the game's going well can you win a championship yes can they carry the day if the alien starts landing the spaceship you know in Vegas in a way that he can I mean I think that's right. we're kind of seeing that right now um so for the NFC championship game give me give me the lion's key to victory here Dan yeah, so I don't know who's calling that game. Um, I, I don't I don't know what, what guy gets the, the privilege of calling that game, but I would bet a ton of cash. You are going to hear the phrase pin-pull 20 times in that game. Um, I, I think the Lions, and that's a blocking scheme where a person from the outside pins like the edge defender, and then they pull people around. I think the Lions have a pretty solid advantage in that. I think they could run the ball on the perimeter one, that's a flaw for San Francisco. Everybody who's had success against them this year has done exactly that. Green Bay did it. Arizona did it. Um, so I think that's an advantage for them. Baltimore did it. So I think Detroit's got a big advantage of that. I think if Jared can, you know, Jared's got to walk that fine line, Rich, of like, hey, when am I proactive and when am I reactive with my eyes? Because when Jared is proactive, he tries to move guys and trusts his eyes. Like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. He's, I've said this. When you protect him, he can throw it with anybody. That, that's Jared's superpower. He doesn't have a memory, whether good or bad. So like Jared just being in that ideal state of proactive versus reactive is a big deal. You're going to hear the phrase choice concept a thousand times for both of these teams. I think the Lions have an advantage because they have three guys who can do it. Both Laporta, or, oh, excuse me, Laporta, Gibbs, and Amon Ra can do it. So there's a lot of good for Detroit. I, I said this yesterday. As I sit here today, I think I, I'm leaning Detroit in mm. this game. Um, 
I think it'll come down to how well, in part, Brian Branch plays. You know, their nickel. Branch is going to have to have the game of the season um, in coverage and in space. So it's going to be an awesome matchup. And then what do you think about the AFC Championship game? Where are you leaning there? Ravens? Uh, Did I hear you, you know, talk about Kansas the- City, it, it, the fact that they're here speaks volumes. They got to catch Baltimore on a, a subpar day. You know, if I'm just being candid, I don't. I don't know if if Baltimore plays their nine out of 10 game or a game, I think they're relatively tough and or impossible to beat. So they got to catch them on a little bit of an off day. Um, Patrick is going to have to have the game of the season when it comes to second reaction plays. Some of the scramble plays down the field um, he's going to have to have. And then I think defensively, they are going to have to come after Lamar and hope that he makes a mistake or two. That's the, and that's the blueprint. Um, the difference is Lamar's been prepared for pressure a little bit more over the last two months. They're going to have to come after him and hope he makes a mistake or two. All right, one last one for you. Uh, out of left field before I let you go, the hiring of Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator in Chicago, does that inform you in any way of where they're leaning about their quarterback decision to stick with Justin Fields and – flip the number one overall pick or maybe even cash it in for Marvin Harrison Jr. potentially, or or you think it's this means Caleb? What do you think? Yeah, I still think that they're going to end up t- drafting Caleb Williams. I go back to Ryan Poles, their general manager, end of the season press conference when he said, I think Justin developed a lot, and I think Justin can lead us, but. Whenever he said but, I was like, <laughs> oh, it's done. You know, and um, – I just, I I think that's the the mind was made up. I think Caleb's got a chance to be a super, super talented young player. I think Waldron's signing is twofold that I like, excuse me, Rich. Number one, he was in LA when Sean was there developing Jared, when he was a younger player, he watched Sean develop him and Zach Taylor develop him, Mm -hmm. Matt LaFleur developing. So I do think there's value in that. And then also he comes from a little bit of the Mick Shanahan tree. Harbaugh coined that the McVay Shanahan tree. I think today, nowadays in the NFL, man, like if you're not, if your play caller doesn't have a background in multiple personnel groupings, multiple formation groupings, motion and play action passes the foundation of their offense. I think it's really hard to consistently be good. And is Will Levis high five and whoever's near him because Brian Callahan got hired in Tennessee he brings his dad. <laughs> I think if he brings his dad, man, that's a big one. I was in, I was with Cali in Detroit. Um, I, I think I'll give you a real quick on Cali. Sure. He's been a part of like three pretty good offenses. You know, he's he's been a part of Zach Taylor's offense with Joe Burrow. He obviously knows the the Shanahan tree offense because his dad, Cleveland, and his dad has been in it for a long time. And then he's in a little bit of like the Indy Peyton Manning offense with being in Detroit with Jim Bob Cooter and Matthew Stafford and whatnot. So I think there's, you know, you love the fact that he's been a part of that. Um, he's a great listener. I think he's he's got a great ability to understand, hey, like, I like this. I don't like this from his players. They got to go do for Will Levis what, you know, um, they did for Brock and Jimmy Garoppolo in San Francisco or what they did with Tua in Miami. They they, they got to get a lot better on the outside for him. Dan, you're the man. Greatly appreciate it. Appreciate you, bud. Right back Catch at you. Right back at you. At D. Orlovsky 7 out there, and he's a must-follow as well as watching on ESPN whenever he talks. Dan Orlovsky here on awesome. the Rich Eisen Show. <clears throat> Sounds like he loves Kyle Hamilton as much as I do. <laughs> and that, how about that? He looks at the Ravens' defense goes, 
I, I, I don't know how you attack yeah, it. Good luck. Yeah. Well, I guess the way to attack it is with 15. <laughs> this is going to be a great game, man. Really so. looking forward to that one. How about he's leaning towards Detroit? Interesting. 844-204-RICH, number to dial, phone calls. Hour number two is Albert Breer giving us the update on everything else going on in the NFL with coaching searches and whatnot still to come. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is what I love about fandom, football fandom. You're a sweet person. You are known generally as just a sweet, nice person who likes meeting people and just likes human life. Yes. You love making people's lives better through either your music or your words or your essence. I understand it. But when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, Mm. to hell with everybody else. Exactly. That's the did way I it say, is. Did I say it right? That, I don't, that works. By yeah. the way, I don't mean to tell you, like, you know, an all-time great lyricist how to, how to, how to speak or oh, talk no, or, no, no. Or, or communicate. But, no, but I mean, I'm the one that I will wear the, I have a Kansas City Chiefs guitar strap, and when I play Oakland or Denver or Boston, I will wear, <laughs> I will come out and I will start, believe me, there's not, my, my audience will love, especially in New England, my audience will love me, love me, they're cheering, and I'll go, and I'll see you in the playoffs, and then it's all of a sudden booze, it's horrible, <laughs> it's just, it will ruin a show. My wife says, don't talk football, it's, I can't help it. But you gotta do it. I, I mean, you got the passion for yes. it. So who was your chief growing up? Who was your, who oh. was the person that you're like, okay, this is making me fall in love with football? Oh, well, it was my father. Okay. And it was, you know... It, it was Lenny Dawson and Hank Stram and the That's 1969-1970 Chiefs. I watched the Super Bowl. I saw my hometown and everyone go crazy. And it just, it, it. of course, that was the last time we were in the Super Bowl. But, you know, you since then, every year, you're like, we could do that again. I mean, it never goes away. That never goes away. I know. You know the draft is coming in a couple of years, too, to Kansas City. I don't know if you're know, aware of that. I'm really excited. I was so excited because it's such a, Kansas City's a beautiful city. That whole area is mm-hmm. Is they love their chiefs. They are chiefs. They yes. they are. It's a 
beautiful city that's grown and has so much to offer, and I love that they've got that, and people can actually see them. All of our famous Chiefs fans are sitting on our YouTube page to check out. 844-204-RICH, number to dial here on the Rich Eisen Show. Christopher in Los Angeles, let's take your phone call. What's up, Christopher? Hello, Christopher. You there? All right, got to put him back on. I can't, 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 uh, can't, uh, can't have it. Won't have it. He's haggard. So we can maybe have uh, um, Adam hop back on there. So the uh, <clears throat> the Super Bowl in Las Vegas. We just found out who is going to be the official and the biggest job in officiating. Period. End of story. Because at least the NBA. Rotates officials, not the same officials throughout the entire NBA Finals. Although, maybe they should do that. Yeah, why not? Right? Don't you think the NBA Finals should have the same official for each game? Why do they rotate officials in the in the NBA Finals? That's interesting. Yeah. Really interesting concept. You kind of figure out someone calls a game. Things uh, that they're that's a lot of running away. for these uh, Older guys. What are you talking about? It's every so take the next two days off. It usually goes Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. Get run. I'm just saying. You used to have get Dick, in shape. You used to have seventy year old Dick Bavetta out there running seven miles in well, an NBA Dick, game. I don't know. I, I I I would think the NBA Finals should have the same officials for each one. They remember I called it this way in Game One. I'll make it a. That's what I'm I'll saying. make it. I'll make it consistent in game two, and make it consistent in game three, and you know, I think it's, it's like e- having it's easier to get a seven game series when you have uh, different refs with different. Uh, oh, is that why things are <laughs> being told? Well, at any rate, it would be like having the same umpire behind the plate. You know where that strike zone is consistently. Just like that's know. an interesting thing. I mean, the World Series, they they they, they rotate, rotate umpire, but it's the yeah. same crew though for all seven games. If it goes seven games, right. yeah, right, and. Um, Unless Enrico Palazzo sneaks in there. Hey, to get the queen. But the Super Bowl, it's just one guy. It's one guy with one white hat and the crew. <laughs> one white and hat. it's one white hat. You know, the white hat better be on it, on his P's and Q's. <laughs> and in this in this season where the officiating oh, has been ew. tarred and feathered. We mentioned the other day when we were talking off air that we hoped this guy would be the ref for the Super Bowl because I think he is the best at it. I really do. The games just don't seem to be weird. He seems to have a certain air about him where he's on it. And his name is Bill Vinovich. Bill Vinovich. He is the Super Bowl referee. He is the official. By the way, I should also mention at this point in time, Brad Allen did not get a uh, playoff game. Correct. Okay. It's his third Super Bowl, been there, done that. And um, that's the officiating crew. It's up on the screen on our Roku channel. I won't run through it, but uh, the line judge, Mark Perlman, this is his his third Super Bowl as well, or fourth, actually. All right, so there you go. Congratulations to those officials. They, They got through the toughest gauntlet of the entire season, and the NFL has done its grading, and this is it. I like it. I like it. You know, and plus, we also, Bill, Bill's got this look on his face. <laughs> you know, whenever he makes a call and he scrunches his face, kind of like, you know. Very matter of fact. What's going on? Oh, but no, he's just kind of like, what's going on here? Oh, I got this. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got you know what I mean? I got this. That's funny. A couple officials with that Land Clark fella, is that his name? He's, he's, he kind of has like this look on his face, like, like, 
I know I'm a buzzkill, but it's holding. <laughs> yeah. You know? Somebody But Bill's got... Did somebody... Who dealt it around here? Like, what, do I smell something That's around here? Just, this is the past interference. Let's keep this moving. Oh. <laughs> Who's uh, your boy, Cleet Blakeman, who uh, Cleet. you Patriot fans love. He's wow. he's in the uh, NFC Championship game. Okay. Well, and Sean Smith is the Sean referee is for the AFC Championship. AFC Championship. Okay. Yep, yep, yep. What does that inform everybody about how? Well, uh, our buddy Warren Sharp uh, mm-hmm. has an interesting thread that he just threw out there. Uh, not going to do anything to quell the uh, script people who think everything's rigged. Um, <laughs> apparently, Sean just, Smith everything's rigged. Uh, favors road teams with his calls. Why? 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 Because he likes. He uh, likes. What is he like? Hotels? Is that what he likes? A lot of interesting things being thrown He's out here. Cha- the local chambers of commerce from a road. T- I mean, I, all mean right. I, I don't. In the last three seasons, uh, all refs. The home team, uh, it wins 56% of the time. When Sean Smith is the ref, the home team wins 41% of the time. Uh, False start penalties, Rich. In the last three seasons, according to Warren Sharp, uh, the NFL average 4.6 more penalties for false start on the road team. In the last three years with Sean Smith, mm-hmm. 35% more false start wow. penalties on the home team. So what does that mean? Like they, they're... they're- I, I I honestly don't understand this. This one I stuff, thought was really man. interesting. Uh, roughing the passer and unnecessary roughness penalties. Uh-oh. League-wide, they are called with a slight degree more for road teams. 7 to 12% more. Yes. But with Sean Smith as the head referee, 37 to 71% more of those penalties on home teams. I, I, I don't... I mean, I guess the numbers are what they are, but what does that mean? He's He's always had something against... He had a bad home life. Is that what it is? So I have no idea. He's got things against homes. These are the numbers. I don't know. He's, he's, These are the numbers. Uh, maybe his family were were real estate brokers, so he's always he's always been more hard on the homes. I would say if you're a Ravens uh, I don't, player, I'm, honestly, fan, like I'm trying, I'm 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 grasping don't let at it straws come here. Close here. Take care of business. Whatever. How about he calls it as he sees him, and people <laughs> might just might be a little more jumpy around him. I don't know. <laughs> I don't buy it, any of that stuff. Apparently, Sean Swift, uh, Smith, also a Swifty. Oh, really? Oh, oh, no, oh wait a minute. Go. I'm just kidding. There you it. go. I, I threw that out there. Okay. <laughs> Albert Breer joining us in hour number two <laughs> with all the latest in the NFL. I, I don't, and I don't know. It's um, funny that someone goes to the depths to like look at this information. I, I don't know. Um, Susie and I need to have a conversation oh. about Cooper um, because – we might be raising a conspiracy theorist in our house. Oh, no. He is all over the color scheme of oh, that, Super Bowl it's, it's a, 58. Can it. you put up the, the yeah, graphic one more time that we just showed for it. Bill Vinovich being the uh, head ref and the rest of the crew? Pour because it, it. this is the official. This is from the NFL, and it's the colors of the Super Bowl are, the colors are purple and red, <laughs> yep. which means it's going to be Ravens versus 49ers because yep. – the Ravens are purple and the 49ers are red. And what's been the last three Super Bowls last where, they, three, where the color yeah. scheme that, that's, that, that they come up with at least a year in advance. Mm-hmm. I mean, when the Super Bowl logo came oh, out for geez. Vegas, it's when they announced Vegas, I think. Yeah, so what, two years Which ago? is like, right. So, yeah. so it's been in the making for years. Yep. Right. So I turned to Cooper and he goes, the Chiefs are definitely making it. I'm like, Coop. So then what, what happened when Mecole Hardman fumbled the ball on the one-yard line? 
to go up two scores on the Bills, which would have definitely sealed it. What happened? He fumbled it, and what? And, and so it just happened to go through the end zone because, because what? You know, like that. That don't you think the NFL would make sure they ruled it a- after further review a touchdown? I'm like, do I have to get you a hat made of tinfoil? And he kind of looks at me, what does that mean? I'm like, I'll teach you. Honestly, he totally believes in this thing. My son, the conspiracy theorist. I'm never taking him to Dallas.